your future. The innovative mindset thrives with a quotient of knowledge and learning, a splash of creativity and an awakening of emotional intelligence. Here at Wynn, we've been working with some inspiring businesses who've been setting us challenges and you might like to try them too. Would you like to generate and recognise ideas and alternatives? Think differently when problem solving. Inviting you to be open. Communicating with authenticity. Manifesting what you wish. A world full of strong, positive innovators. Well, we're back for our second challenge and I think the first challenge went really well. Um, I have absolutely no idea what we're doing for this challenge. I'm sort of purposefully keeping out of all the planning and the knowledge so that I know as little as possible so I can really go into these things um, with a really open mindset um, and to sort of do as best as we can with them. Um, so I'm going to press play and hopefully we'll find out what the next challenge is. Uh, a week ago, I think, uh, my team and I went through a mindful eating challenge um, for the Win podcast and we have already another challenge. So this time it's going to be um, emotional intelligence. We will practice some emotional intelligence activities, I think. I find it really interesting and I think it's very helpful in your just daily life. So let's see what Quanta prepared for us. So I'm just about to watch the challenge briefing for Quanta. I'm really excited. I already meditate daily, so I'm really excited to build in the other aspects of their challenge into this. But let's see what they've got in store. So we are about to start our second week of challenges. Um, this time it's from Quanta um, and we're looking at emotional intelligence. So I've had the briefing sent through and just going to have a watch and see what we've got to, to ahead of us this week. Hello, Win team. Um, I'm Alex. I'm Adam. And we're from Quanta Training and uh, we've got a challenge for you over the next week or so centered around the concept of emotional intelligence. Now, um, there are plenty of definitions as to what emotional intelligence is, but the one we're going with is your ability to manage and understand emotional encounters. Um, and one facet of it that we're going to be focusing on in particular is that of self-awareness. And so this is your ability to notice and articulate emotions in yourself. And it really is the starting point um, in terms of becoming a more emotionally intelligent person. So um, Adam's going to tell you a bit more about the challenge that we've got in store for you. Great. Okay. Thanks, Alex. So, yes, we've got three activities we'd like you to undertake across the week. Um, the first one is going to spread right across the week. So for the next seven days, we'd like you to spend 10 minutes a day meditating. So we, you're going to be using an app to do that, to do a mindfulness meditation. Um, one of those days, we'd like you to, to take that a bit further and we'd like you to do a 30-minute walking meditation. So take yourself off into the countryside, uh, somewhere or somewhere peaceful, uh, walk around in silence, just simply uh, alone, obviously, just soaking up the environment. Um, now, hopefully, this is going to have an impact on you across the week. Uh, meditation is a little bit like going to a gym for your mind, so it, it kind of builds, if you like, builds your mental muscles so across the week, hopefully you'll notice an impact and we're really interested to know what that impact uh, was like for you. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we see you again.
Okay, so that's an interesting one. Um, meditation, uh, we have done quite a bit of that through our Win launch pads, our business support, and they're fantastic to do, but I always find making myself do them is really, really tricky. So I think this challenge is going to make me really focus on and have to do it. Um, and hopefully that will sort of form a cycle then to, to keep it going. Um, getting out for a walk and a meditation um, with a dog, that's really easy. And I love going for a walk and just sort of um, trampling around and thinking uh, or not even thinking sometimes, which is fantastic. That's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to getting involved in these. As I say, I already do meditation daily anyway, so that one's going to be super easy. So we just watched the Quanta training um, brief. Really, really excited to, to give this a go. Um, and I really like the idea that it's going to sort of make me make time for meditation because meditation is something that I, I want to do, but it's, it's going to force me <laughs> into making time for it, which is really important. And hopefully that might even become a habit. Who knows? Um, and I really like the sound of doing the walking meditation. Something I've been trying to do lately is keep my steps up. So actually going off and, and having a moment to myself in nature will be brilliant. Simon, how did you, how did you get on with meditating? <laughs> I see you looking this way. Um, it was interesting. The heat hasn't helped because I think I was so focused on, but I need to sort of close down. Gosh, it's hot, gosh, it's hot. And not being able to get that out. Uh, I tried some of the guided meditations mm. and thought, I really struggled with those because the voices, if I don't recognize the voice or know the voice, it was really off-putting and I was more focused on the voice. So actually some of the others that are um, sort of rain sounds, water sounds, things like that, they really sort of worked for me and I could zone out quite nicely for the sort of 10 minute slot that they were on for. Okay, all right. So yeah, it sounded like a bit of a mixed experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I'm feeling a bit of resistance or, or difficulty. Uh, with those initial, um, with those spoken word ones, absolutely. Um, with sleep, I sometimes struggle, so occasionally I use things like Audible. Mm. And there's voices on there like Stephen Fry and things like that, but I know the voices. And I guess if I persevere for longer with some of those, I'd have got used to those people's yeah. voices. But, yeah. Yeah. So um, d does, that does that reflect your experience, Robin? Or? I, I can't not do the guided ones. My mind wanders too much if I'm not guided and someone telling me. And there was a really, there was one point in it, and it happened a few times where the, the lady who was leading it was like, and your mind started to wonder. I was like, yes, it has. How did you know? Yes. She's like, just bring it back now. And it's yeah, it's great. How, how did she know? It's a, a lovely thing. Yes, I think that's probably because our minds constantly yes. wonder. Um, yeah. and, and I think what's interesting, though, is, you know, it sounds like obviously, you know, you've both done the guided meditation, but but you seemed a little bit more accepting. My mind's wondering, and uh, so that, that's great. I'll, I'll pay attention to that. Whereas, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Simon, but it felt like if your mind was wondering, you, you seem to sort of see that as a kind of failure. Or... Uh, probably not a failure. I think I was more, uh, it was unfocusing me, yeah, those voices. Yeah. Um, right. uh, whereas the sort of, let's say, the, the water noises, rain noises, that was yeah. much more focusing and much more relaxing, and I could much more on board with that. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going and see how, how you all got on. And then I want to talk about not just the difficulty, of course, or, or, or um, perhaps how relaxing you found it, but what, what kind of impact it seemed to have over the week. So we'll get on to that. But how did you get on, Anna? Um, 
It depends on the day. Some days I could uh, focus better and uh, I actually felt this nice benefit afterwards. But there were a couple of days <laughs> where uh, my mind was just processing. And mm. yes, I try to recognize, yes, they are for my thoughts and just to let them go. Is, yes, it's one of the tactics. But actually, I then I noticed I just spent, <laughs> like, I tried to do 15 minutes, like non-guided meditation. And I spent most 15 minutes of just recognizing my thoughts and letting them go. And it was like, they didn't go. <laughs> so, but they were, I think, my days and the weather didn't contribute as well. Mm. It was very mm. hot. So then mm. I just continued doing like very late evenings and outside. Interesting how you mentioned the weather. So the theory of some mindfulness meditation is, I think, as you put it, Robin, and, and to some extent you, you there, is that you do notice what's, what's bothering you. So, oh, look, I'm getting bothered by, by the heat. Mm. Um, but the theory would be, rather than getting wrapped up in that and carried away with it and not being able to get rid of that thought and finding it annoying, the heat's annoying me, uh, is that you, you step back a little bit from your thoughts and you say, oh, look, I'm getting really bothered by, by the heat. Isn't that interesting? Um, great stuff. Okay, thank you. How did you get on? Um, yeah, really good. I've been doing meditation now for a couple of months prior to doing oh, this anyway to help with my anxiety and to help me sleep so I do it at night to sort of turn my mind off because uh, if I don't I just don't tend to sleep because my mind's just constantly deciding what's happening um, <laughs> so yeah no it was it was good again I really struggled with the heat because um, I always do it in my bedroom because that's the quietest place in our house but I'm in the attic so it's twice as hot as yeah. it is everywhere else so it, it was a challenge trying to do it yeah. in the heat. Great. That, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just going to ask about the, the process, because um, obviously you've been doing it for a couple of months leading up to this point, so it's a continuation of things that you've already been doing. And um, I don't know if you've done any for a while, Simon? We do. Um, so we do our launch pads and we uh, work with coaches, and part of that is around uh, mindfulness and helping businesses. So mm. we've actually done quite a bit, I think, over the last 12 months of yeah. different exercises and different ways of doing it. So. Okay, different forms of meditation Absolutely. and things of that nature. Yeah, because it's one of those things, I think, certainly when you first get into it, it's just an unusual experience, mm. if you like, sort of like really paying attention to yourself. So I was kind of interested, actually, to the extent to which past experience, if you like, potentially helped you get into the exercise exercise um, because obviously quite a lot of people they'll start the process and they'll find it odd and then they'll stop doing it almost instantaneously whereas you've been doing it for a little while and what's the you know what are the benefits that you would say that you've experienced as a consequence of persevering with um, it? I'm a lot more calmer than I used to be like before little things used to just irritate me mm. so you know I dropped something on the floor and that was it that was the end of my day basically whereas now I'm like okay it's fine just carry on I'm sleeping better because um, I can't meditate during the day because mm. it makes me sleepy anyway so but yeah no I've definitely noticed just my body and my mind are just a lot calmer yeah. in general really so thinking a bit about I guess the difference before and now what would you say that you're actually able to consciously do in the moment to perhaps manage those sort of situations which you'd otherwise find a bit more stressful um, as a consequence of having meditated a bit um, I tend to sort of take that moment to step away from the situation. So if something's riled me, I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to take five minutes by myself and just sit and just breathe deeply and just take myself away from what's going on because then I can refocus and carry on. 
mm. and deal with the situation instead of sort of going in to the situation like a bull in a china shop and just sort of making it worse. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Great. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So I think one of the certainly the longer term benefits of, of mindfulness is exactly that, that it enables you to stop working on kind of autom automatic behavior. So it allows you, it gives you that, even if it's a split second moment, uh, to really um, think, oh, look, I'm getting cross or anxious. Um, and it allows you to, to step back from that and, you know, kind of, for want of a better description, choose how you, how you react rather than just kind of go down these automatic habitual thinking patterns that we tend to adopt. So that's really interesting that you um, seem to have experienced what, what you know, all the, all the uh, studies and, and all the philosophers and gurus would, would suggest it, it's supposed to be doing for you. So, so it's great. Um, Jess, should we, sorry, good Jess? Yeah, um, so I find, or I found, that I didn't actually realise how much tension and anxiety I carry around constantly. With, and that's just become my norm, if that makes sense. So you're just like, yeah. And then the minute that I took that first breath, to start the 10-minute meditation, the instant relaxation in my body was, was every time, it was like, you know, so instant. It was like, I just hadn't realised how, how you sort of functioning on that high alert so often and all the time. So mm -hmm. it's such an um, impact on that front. And as you say, when we do the meditations or the exercises on the launch pad or whatever as well, we... I get that same feeling. It's like, do you know what? That's, that's such a great feeling. And I think what, what's been good with this is doing it in such um, a block has, has helped to sort of say, yeah, just routine. How can you not do this for 10 minutes in your day? Mm. Um, and just to get into routine, to just recognise and, and hopefully try and shift it so you are of a more sort of relaxed state, a bit, bit longer really, I suppose, as well. So, so you feel as though... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're better able to articulate if you no, not only notice but articulate how you're feeling. Yeah, definitely, okay. and and just just physically, just feel a massive physical difference. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just think it's brilliant, and that's the bit that's that you know, recognizing that it's not good to be in high alert all the time. Mm. Um, to then go, oh, do you know what? Taking that time out is is has been really beneficial, and actually, I found it doing it at the start of the day has been really good, mm -hmm. rather than get myself, you know, throughout the rest of the day. So start the day and just, yeah. Yeah, because I've spoken to quite a few people who've had sort of similar experiences where they've used an exercise such as this, if you like, to bring to the surface, if you like, how they're feeling, but more importantly, actually be able to put words to describe how they're feeling. And they'll talk about it sort of like prior to that, as feeling a certain way, knowing they don't feel brilliant, you know, sort of like having this underlying tension. It's a really good analogy, actually, sort of like this idea of holding a ball under the water kind of thing and you're sort of like holding it there and even if these you know these, these thoughts are rattling around and you're not necessarily paying attention to them you're still making some kind of mental effort to keep it to keep them suppressed and of course when you take your hands off the ball it doesn't just float nicely to the surface it tends to explode out of the water um, so there's certainly a great deal of benefit if you like to be able to name those emotions describe those emotions but also from an individual perspective being able to rationalize what you're thinking the idea you're not kind of wandering through this kind of fog if you like in relation to how you're feeling you can actually sort of like turn those emotions into something a bit more tangible. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask, actually, because both you and Simon, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about the work you do with this other organisation and how a lot of it focuses on mindfulness, and this is just one facet of that. I was interested in the benefits to you as a wider 
team as a, as a collective, because Amy's talked about the benefit to her individually in relation to meditation. Obviously, you've done the same, Jess. Kind of wondering how it's affected your team dynamic in any way to be doing these things and sort of focusing on mindfulness as a concept. I guess it is giving us that focus that it's something we have to do, or not have to, but need to do, I guess. Um, and especially during the, the lockdowns, that was really key. And the fact that we were bringing that into other businesses as well, and if we're working with innovators who possibly sometimes working in their own silos as well, being able to share that really helped. We attended a wellbeing event um, months ago now, but there were things around um, different scents and smells. So I did find lighting a candle would give you that nice smell and that nice aroma that would help. And even, I think we had some stones, um, uh, crystals, um, but I had a, a small wooden heart that was given to me and just having something to fiddle with and play with that helped focus up here a little bit more because you're sort of doing something. And those, um, those events as well. So the event we did with Northwest Show, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, about 50 people attended that. And the, the feedback from that, again, with the businesses going, that was brilliant. You know, I've got so much out of it. How, you know, and it is for, for, for us as a team as well, we're, we're doing things like this to, to try new things, to try and go, you know what, this is great. Or try this or do that. And as, for us, we like, you know, there's nothing more better, especially if you're having a day where you're just like, do you know what? Oh, it's a hard day. When you do speak to a business and you can see a difference that that business is getting from, I don't know, something that you've done in a workshop or you've done a, an event, and they're like, you know that was brilliant. And then you go, that was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And you're, you know, great. And, and, that's, and that's the bit that we get is to try these new things, but just to recognise and listen to what, you know, a lot of other businesses are thinking and feeling at the moment and having tools and techniques that can help, you know. Because well, I was just thinking, I guess, you know, with the logic being that sort of like you're more aware of what you're thinking and you're better able to sort of put it into words, I'm interested in what conversations that perhaps would enable you as a group to have that you otherwise not, may not be able to have or may not have been able to have as a consequence of doing these exercises and by that for other businesses too. Definitely. I think, I think we're not afraid to sort of have a go and, you know, and get things wrong again. Mm. We you know, iterate on everything, which is really good. Um, but, you know, by doing that, you, and you, it's that reassurance to go, do you know what, I'm, and we're sort of putting it out there and either someone identify with it or not, and that's okay. And that's, but, you know, people like yourselves are doing amazing things like this and we, you know, we want to go, go oh, this is brilliant. Look at the benefits you can get. Look how this might work. And I think, again, the businesses that we've been speaking to, I think there's definitely a shift change. And this is becoming something now that is becoming more of a norm. You're not, you're not that person who's just, well, you do that, but it's not for me. I think people are going, it might be for me, and I'll give it a whirl, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it, how meditation and mindfulness has uh, kind of uh, expounded, uh, uh, if, if that's a word, uh, over the, the last few years. And um, uh, so, you know, mindfulness colouring books and, you know, I mean, it's just everywhere, isn't it? Um, yeah, you're right. I think there is a resistance to it in, in some kind of uh, in the corporate world a little bit. But you've only got to look at the sort of top um, 500 companies in America and look at the CEOs who, who meditate you know, Jack Dorsey at Twitter, and there you go, it's the only one I can remember. But they all do it. Um, you know, so, so there's obviously something in it there. And I mean, I've been running leadership training and so on for, for years, and even 20 years ago, long before, you know, this all became trendy, um, I, I, would, I would talk to 
you know, CEOs and so on. And they were meditating, you know, 20 years ago. Um, because, as a few of you said, it really is, if you've got a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress, it, it's so beneficial and enable you to, to kind of uh, deal with that. And even if people weren't meditating, um, you know, with, with a, an app or sort of going to meditation, um, you would notice that CEOs would always say they take time out. Yeah. So I remember one particular guy would say, every Friday I'm up in the mountains walking on my own and it's the only way I, I can kind of step back from what I'm doing and, and try and get a bit of perspective on it and so on. So, yeah. It's, it's good for ideas as well, I think. Yeah. And actually just taking that time out and when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or you're sort of not sure what direction you want to go in or just having that sort of few minutes and then going, oh, yeah, okay, this makes a bit more sense now or... Yeah, yeah and generating ideas. Yeah, so, you know, the, obviously, you know, mindfulness and meditation all comes from Buddhism. It's, it was uh, kind of extracted out by a guy called John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, um, quite a few years ago, we got him to blame for the, the explosion in it. And he created something called the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction uh, Program, an eight-week program in America that's proved hugely beneficial in terms of uh, you know, helping people cope with anxiety and depression and so on. But, but it's taken a few years to, to kind of gain traction. Um, but, you know, you know, so some people use it to deal with stress, you know, uh, as you were saying, Amy, and anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, I, I suspect a lot of CEOs and so on, they will always talk about this idea of focus that you've just mentioned. So it's perhaps less about the sort of Buddhist tradition of letting go of your ego and uh, um, all these somewhat deeper uh, benefits that, that it would have but yeah disability focus and I, I, I've got a personal story I a few years back when I was kind of introduced to meditation uh, and I did it really over a week you know quite solidly a bit like you guys actually a bit more I think we're doing about 40 minutes a day and <clears throat> my mind races just like all of our minds do I guess um, mine tends to come out as I as I think something um, so you know, what I notice is this cumulative effect over a week. I woke up on the, the last day, sort of day five, and I felt so calm, like you just said. And I, I mean, first of all, I really, I resist it, actually. I, I hate mm. it. I thought, this isn't me. I've changed. I won't have the same ideas. I won't be as creative or as funny. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of, kind of really quite <laughs> kind of freaked out by it. And then, of course, I got to lunchtime, and I thought, well, no, I am still me. I'm, I'm just calmer. And I actually, I used to do stand-up comedy. Uh, and I, I guess it, I sat down at lunchtime and I wrote about 15 minutes of, uh, and you'll have to take my word for it, really good jokes, okay, <laughs> in an hour. And this is, for me, and, and actually for a lot of comedians, this is unheard of. 15 minutes of jokes, really good jokes, would probably take you a, a few months to put together. And to me, that was just, I, I couldn't believe the, the benefits. So that idea of focus, I think is really important. It was a very long way of me saying that. <laughs> so what other, so what, did it feel like it had an accumulative effect? Because it is supposed to be an accumulative thing. We don't meditate for 10 minutes and our lives have changed and uh, we feel totally calm and, and this sort of stuff. It is something you have to keep up, like most things in life. You know, you can't go to the gym once okay. and expect to be uh, uh, hugely fit. So... Did you notice any changes over, over the week at all? Uh, You're looking yeah. at me. Yes. Uh, as uh, I did some meditation previously, and 
I think I started like over, just going back to this week now, but uh, for like a year ago, and I was doing for, I would say, nearly a year, and then for some reason, I went to Poland. And for some reason, I stopped doing it for six months. And this is like a new, like refresh, jumping to that okay. experience. So I found it a very, like, yes, it's a good time, good timing for this to come back because I was thinking to come and start again. And uh, what this week, um, how I, the process, um, I started again noticing my, like, weaknesses and accepting them. So, for example, when my mind was spinning and I couldn't, like, Yes, I couldn't just get relief and this, this nice state. I recognized, okay, that's all right. This is just how I am today. And just go through it. Mm -hmm. So now I am more aware, I would say. And uh, this is a good state to have and just to come back to it. That's great. And what we've talked about there, again, another big mm -hmm. benefit and kind of principle of, of um, well, Buddhism and, and mindfulness is this idea of acceptance. Yes. So it's not about trying to fight your, no. your mind, yes. uh, trying to fight the fact that it's so mm -hmm. hot outside or you're, mm -hmm. you're, mm -hmm. you're anxious, but it's simply accepting it. And yeah. you know, it's something I think when you read about uh, meditation, I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with is the accepting. But yes. you know, what, what other choice have you got if, if a thought's arised in your or even have it like automatic recognition is, I think, helping in my case. So because previously, I, I like, yes, I was angry because something went wrong, etc., and I didn't have this reflection on this, mm. and and I was getting simply yes, annoyed, angry, anxious, mm. and this brought me again. Just think, I forgot about just the switch. No, no, that's good. Great, thanks. Mm. Um, just want to very quickly, I'll hand hand back to us, but uh, Amy, your experience of so. Yeah, thanks for being open. You know, you, you said you've struggled with anxiety at points and it's not been an easy 18 months, has it, for anyone? Um, so, you know, one of the lots of studies on, on meditation and how it actually helps us, and I think uh, with the kind of advances in neuroscience, this is really interesting uh, stuff. So um, a, re a fairly recent study, they take scans of, of people's brains mm. before and after. They've undertaken that eight-week uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy uh, course. I struggle to remember that. Um, and there are distinct changes to the brain. And one of the, the key changes is with the amygdala. And you have to forgive me, I'm not a neuroscientist, but that's really the kind of emotional part of our brain. So, you know, if you've read other books, has anyone read the, um, the, is it The Chimp Paradox? Got Stephen Peters? So we, he talks about emotional hijacking. So we, we get emotionally hijacked. You know, there we are. Everything's fine. And suddenly, oh, my God, it's all going to go wrong. The world's going to end. And so this is our amygdala kind of, you know, emotionally hijacking our, our mind. And they've actually shown on MR, MRI scans that after a period of meditation, your amygdala shrinks. And, and that kind of, you, you're far more able to control those emotional responses. Does that, does that kind of reflect what you... I think it does, but... Yeah, to a degree, because beforehand I would just be anxious all the time. Um, and a lot of the time I was on the brink of a panic attack most days. Oh. Um, but now I don't get as anxious. That's I amazing. kind of can be able to sort of breathe my way out of it and I can tell the difference between normal, just day-to-day -day calm and 
when I can feel myself getting more and more anxious. Mm. So it's definitely really helped. So it's back to what Alex was saying about noticing. The first yeah. step is always just, you know, we, we talked in the, when we gave you the exercise about first step in emotional intelligence is, is being aware and just noticing the fact, oh, I'm getting anxious again, which often we're oblivious. You mentioned uh, just that you soon start meditating, you notice how stressed you were. Something I always find um, is, because you ask to think about your thoughts, but you're also asked to think, of course, how you feel physically. And I always, I'm completely surprised, I always think, oh, my shoulders are so tense. And I've not noticed it. That, that day, I, I've just not noticed it. And so I'm asked to think about it, and then I go, oh. As well as the meditation, we've got two other little exercises we'd like you to think about at some point across the week. One is an exercise in gratitude, and we'd like you to write a letter to someone that's had a positive impact on your life. So someone that's uh, helped you or um, encouraged you or uh, has, has been a source of um, uh, goodness in your life. And I'd like you to write a letter thanking them for what they've done. And it must be a letter. It can't be an email or a Snapchat message. Um, uh, it's got to be a letter. There's something quite powerful, of course, about uh, both writing and receiving letters, uh, particularly these days. Uh, writing a letter, I think that's great. I love writing letters and receiving them. So that's, yeah, really happy with that. I think it is going to be challenging. It's, you know, it is, you know, really hard sometimes to push yourself out of your comfort zone on things. So, yeah, so Jess, your experience of, you know, the gratitude exercise. Yeah, so we, um, on the gratitude front, I, it was quite tricky initially because there was a lot of people that you can be grateful to and for and all of that and you could write a million letters and then I'm thinking why don't we write a million letters and say a million thank yous because that again should be done but yeah so I I cried when I did mine so thank you for that <laughs> um, I did I wrote it to my nan and my granddad because they were sort of um, together but they have passed and it's been a while it's been years years really since I've been passed and that it's to me, it's like, do you know what? I, I was so young, really, when they did pass. I never had that chance to tell them how grateful I was for everything. So to actually take that moment to write it all down and to talk about all the experiences they gave me and all the memories that I have, that made me go, do you know what? And I felt amazing. And you can know you're saying about releases, all these hormones and different things are going off, literally spiking, going, oh, do you know And, you know, really, really loved it. But it was things like, you know, daft things I've put, just the... Um, my granddad taught me to colour properly. So, you know, rather than just like, he was just like, who would do it? And we would just do it all in lines. And, and, and so a bit of mindfulness with my, my granddad at the time, I suppose, and things like that. But, you know, the, the fern and the food and the laughter and getting the family together, um, all the stuff that made, made my world, continues to make my world, and needed, you know, to just wanted to be grateful to someone that, and again, just, just an amazing experience. So I, I really I enjoyed doing it more than I thought because initially I was just like, well, I just write a letter to anybody. And yeah. then I went through the process, cried, and then at the end of it went, God, that was really cathartic. <laughs> feel amazing. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was really well, cool. Fantastic. So sort of mental and physical weight sort of to some extent lifted there. Yeah, it was really interesting. Wonderful. And uh, Anna, you had a similar experience, or, or, or at least you, you kind of had a similar kind of scenario, I suppose. For your, similar uh, scenario. I yeah. also wrote a letter to my gran. And mm. actually, Jess said practically everything what I felt as well. So yeah. yes, you will see it. I did a little recording yesterday, like quick. So Brilliant. I won't be my, but yes. No, I didn't. Aww. Yeah, that's and lovely. I was going to ask you what are you going to do with this? Well, obviously we are not posting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't can't post it. But yeah, just I think give it, and I think I will just come back. 
definitely. In the time when I feel like the overture. Yeah. yeah. Definitely keep so it's a keep keepsake thing now. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because we were young when they passed and so many years we are completely different women now. Yeah. And so you're like, nice I'd love to have a conversation with my yes. nan now. Yes. yes. Grab a cuppa. Mm. Come on, jobs are good and that'll be so awesome. So yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Oh, well, look, thank you for sharing that, by the way. I do, we do appreciate it. Um, so that's the second exercise. And then the third and final one is an exercise in empathy. So we're stepping away a little bit here from the self-awareness aspect and self-management of emotional intelligence. And we're moving into um, dealing with other people and becoming more aware of how other people might be feeling uh, and what they're, what's going on for them at any given point. So think about a conflict you've recently been involved in. Uh, and then write a few words about it from your perspective. What led to that conflict? What was going on? How did you feel? What were you trying to achieve? And so on. And then once you've done that, really try and wipe that from your mind. Step into the other party's shoes and think a little bit about the conflict from their perspective. It's quite difficult for some people to really take yourself out of your own perceptions of the situation and your own attitude. But try and do that and answer the same questions from their perspective. Uh, and that can lead to some really interesting insights. Um, and the emotional intelligence and, and sort of putting yourself in another person's situation, I guess or I like to think that I always try and see things from both sides and try and form a, a sort of an opinion or an argument or discussion. Um, so that would be really interesting. Um, we've recently done our insights profiles as a team and we're all very green, people-y people. Um, so I think that'd be an interesting one to do as a team as well, particularly around conflicts and how to deal with those situations because we we try so much to, to not get into those situations and to, to stop and heal things before we get there um, that it doesn't happen very often. So um, it'll be interesting to think about it for the future when it does. Um, but yeah doing the conflict one i think it's going to be really challenging so it's going to be exciting to see um conflict thing i think i'm going to find quite difficult i don't do well with conflict <laughs> in any sort of situation so it'll be interesting to try and think back on a time of conflict and um and look at it from both points of view um yeah but i'm excited excited to get going i have struggled with the conflict mm. one i don't like conflict and I think a lot of us are mm. similar to that and we've, we've recently been doing some sort of team insights and we're very similar in that instance so even just having to think back over a conflict I was a bit like I don't, I don't want to do that <laughs> like, yeah um, and it is interesting to then go okay so that's how I feel in this how does someone else feel about this and I did find that interesting and challenging to a point of, of why are they behaving like this and what's their point of view and what are they trying to get out of this um and doing a bit of a journaling experience around it i've been trying to do a lot more journaling mm -hmm. just in sort of personal life anyway so i found that a good way of trying to to work through that okay yeah. so, you, so you found it a challenging experience yeah. looking at it from their yeah. perspective yeah I, I wanted to go back and meditate okay. <laughs> like well, of course bit. it's going to throw up all sorts of kind of like Potentially negative feelings, isn't it? Trying to you know relive that experience yeah. for the purpose of this exercise. But um, uh, Amy, um, uh, what was your experience like by by comparison there? 
I actually found the conflict one much easier because really? I'm not very good with gratitude. Um, I've been told recently that I like sort of look through a negative lens and that's mm. kind of... So I really struggle with gratitude and picking the positives out from things. So for me, the conflict one was much easier to do because I can focus on the negatives. I can focus on what my mind can see better anyway. And I'm very good at um, looking at things from other people's perspective. So I can see that particularly with the conflict one of how they might be feeling versus how I'm feeling. And that actually it's probably fairly similar because of the way the conflict was. So they're probably feeling just as frustrated and annoyed as I am because we're not communicating in the right way to solve the conflict. Okay. So, okay, so different experience there, but sort of what it sounds like you're saying is, is that you've got natural propensity to kind of focus a little bit more on the, the negative side of things. And as a consequence, it was much easier to sort of go over that kind of experience because you've probably done it in your mind yeah. at some point in the not too dim and distant past. Um, Anna, what's your experience like? Do you find that your mind kind of gravitates in any particular direction, whether we're thinking about gratitude or, or conflict here? Uh, I found uh, like analysing or going through a situation with conflict more difficult than gratitude. Mm. Same. I would say, as far as I know myself, I avoid conflicts. I just, I worry possibly if I express what I feel properly, I would be uh, rejected. So this is the sphere behind. I don't know if you have similar kind. And um, I focus so much on myself sometimes. I don't see the other person behind it. And uh, it's not about, I might not act like this. I might not say, oh, you are nasty something because I don't see it. But then how I feel, I feel like this, oh gosh, I, am, I feel so like sorry for myself. So this ego is, and it, it's not helping because it's not solving situation. So this was, most difficult part to recognize the feelings of the other side hmm. and then actually I realized it just was by I just give an example um, it was my friend and actually I wanted to tell her something um, she I think because she's putting her, her in really by the bad direction and she called me kind arrogant and then I thought because I was arrogant because I told her what I think and it, it cost me a lot of effort to tell it. And then I started thinking, oh gosh, why did she tell this to me? Am I but then I started questioning, maybe I acted. So this was the, like now I was doing, this was the exercise part from you guys. I started thinking, maybe I acted like an arrogant person according to her. Maybe she found me like this. And maybe I, yes, really heard her, the situation I did it in. So they gave me completely different perspective. I started questioning my actions. And I realized how little I knew at that point of the conflict about her. Mm. Just my skills possibly were missing, just lack of knowledge. Natural skills, maybe it's like Amy you have, but this part is what's missing in my case. It's interesting that you've picked this up and that you've had that thought, um, just because we were talking about sort of you know, doing these exercises within the context of developing our emotional intelligence. 
obviously there are different facets to that, mm. one of which is that idea of just being a lot more self-aware, so being able to recognise and understand how we're feeling in the moment. Yes. But then, by definition, that gives us more insight into how others yes. are thinking and feeling, sort of thing, which means that, theoretically, we're then better able to have higher quality kind of social interactions with those individuals because we understand ourselves better, we're able to articulate ourselves better, but we're also better able to read their body language and potentially what their motivations look like. Mm. Um, and also we're better able to manage our own emotions in such a way that we are better equipped to achieve our own goals and the things that we're trying to sort of look out for. So it sounds as though sort of like that entire process in itself is a consequence of a lot of the work that you've been doing, not just here this week, but prior to that has enabled you to sort of like have that kind of thought, whereas maybe previously you might have just dismissed out of hand how that mm, other individual exactly, was thinking or feeling exactly. about the situation. Um, thank you um, for sharing that, by the way. Um, and Simon, how about you? Uh, how do you find it? The gratitude was interesting, mm. um, and I think it's really, uh, we share a, a friend, um, which, is, which is lovely, and I think it's so easy to sort of just say to a friend, oh, thanks or thank you, and the meaning perhaps isn't there or isn't as heartfelt as it could be, um, and so being able to focus and actually say, yeah, this is what I'm grateful for, and this is what that's meant, and... It, it was self-reflective, but it hopefully shows the friend the impact that they've actually had on you. Yeah. It wasn't just a case of, great, thanks, but there was so much more there. So actually having the time to sit and think about it and to do that was, I, I think, really beneficial. So it sounds like quite a positive experience from your point of view. Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. I think what was interesting is you mentioned, Robin, um, journaling. Yes. As, as something that you do and um, uh, you may well have come across the concept of gratitude journaling That's and sort of how I started absolutely yeah. yeah just because I mean again and picking up something that Amy was talking about there so just again from my perspective this is something that I do because I certainly have a natural kind of inclination I think to gravitate towards the negative or at least I know that in myself um, so actually the process of, kind of going through just sort of on a regular basis practicing that form of gratitude what am I grateful for it doesn't have to be a significant thing but even little things like whether it's the weather maybe not quite so hot today, but even so, mm -hmm. um, or, any, or any other small thing really. Um, just kind of, again, going back to what Adam was saying about sort of hardwiring your brain, that neuroplasticity, changing sort of the way you think, it's just kind of, uh, you find yourself sort of paying that much more attention to the things that you are grateful for. And as a consequence, you start sort of looking out for these things more. And by and large, you are having a more positive experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so, I mean, is, is this um, just, I mean, this, that's my personal yeah. experience of it, but how's it worked for no, you, Robin? Completely. And I was sort of introduced to it through sort of law of attraction and sort of manifesting and I went a bit woo. But it's, it was an interesting thing and I like to, I try and start my day by doing my three gratitudes in the morning. So it sets me up for a better, sort of more positive mindset when you first wake up. Because mm. um, I think, yeah those first few moments in the morning are really important for how your day's gonna go. Um, but what I found with them, going back to the, sort of the meditation, I started using that as a bit of a reset button. So I wasn't doing it religiously at night or in the morning. It was if something not went wrong, but I just was feeling a bit off in the day, then I'd try and use that as my, okay, let's recenter, let's reset this. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that's sort of where I, yeah. Great. Well, honestly, I, I, we could probably do a few hours on this from everything you've just <laughs> said. So, um, yeah, so much I want to try and pick up on. Already half of it's gone. Um, yeah, so the, all the studies on gratitude, there's been loads. So uh, I would imagine you've all heard of the kind of positive psychology movement that's arisen over the last 20 years. And again, to some extent, they're responsible for the 
rising popularity of meditation and certainly gratitude um, generally. Um, all the studies show that, yeah, you spend a couple of days a week just um, spending a few minutes focused on what you're grateful for um, does have a huge positive impact on, on your well-being. Uh, lots of research from the likes of uh, Martin Seligman, who's kind of the, the father of positive psychology and so on, demonstrating this. So it's really interesting. Uh, you know, a couple of you have mentioned that you, you tend to focus on the negative. I mean, I don't think it's, it's not unusual. We all do. It, we're kind of hardwired to. I think, did you say that word, hardwired? It's, um, you know, it's evolutionary psychology. We, 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 we have to survive. And how do you survive? You, you look out for danger, what could go wrong. So, yes, yeah, I, think, I think we just have a, a natural tendency to focus on the negative. The problem is, of course, we're no longer living in the jungle and might be eaten by a tiger or something. Um, but, you know, standing up to present in front of other people or, you know, whatever it is, dropping something. Um, <laughs> you know, these promote that same kind of fight or flight response in us. And so we definitely tend towards, to gravitate towards negative and just taking that time to, to remember what is great about life is, is really useful. I was fascinated by, by what you said, Anna, about, you know, coming across as maybe arrogant. You were concerned about this. Um, <laughs> It's a really tough statement, yes, you're arrogant. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Think, so here's yeah, a little theory of mine. There's nothing, I've got nothing mm. to back this up. If you're the kind of person that worries about coming across as arrogant, then I don't think you're probably going to come across as arrogant. Guess who comes across as arrogant? The people who never worry about whether they're mm. being arrogant or not, you know. Um, and, you know, say, say with the conflict exercise, if you're concerned, oh, you know, Am I going to upset that person? I don't like conflict. Am I going to upset that person? If you're thinking, you're concerned, am I going to upset that person? Well, guess what? You're mm. probably not going to, are you? It's the people who don't think that. Yes, I think. <laughs> and sometimes I include myself in, on that. So, um, yeah, absolutely fascinating. But there is a, you know, confidence is such a huge and difficult subject. Um, but I think to, the first step is to recognise there's a difference between you know, you said something about you, you, you were concerned about saying what you felt, really felt, in case you were rejected. And I think there's a huge difference between being confident and arrogant. And confidence is a great thing. Arrogance isn't. Uh, but but the danger is if you're too nice yes. and overthinking it too much and too concerned about what others might think of you, that you mistake confidence for arrogance. Perhaps. And... Uh... If I now I'm thinking from perspective after uh, a month, what happened with that situation? Would I do the same? Uh, and I felt like I, as a good friend, I just need to point it because she's not doing great thing at the moment. It's affecting mm. her in many ways. So I would, uh, if she stopped talking because this happened for a moment, she stopped talking to. So yes, I would even this. So that's fine. I'm taking so what's, this. What's really interesting is you're still thinking about this thing that's yes, happening. Yes, I do, obviously. Right, so something we haven't talked about, which is, a, you know, it's just, it's the number one thing about meditation. It allows you to be present, okay? Mm -hmm. So it allows you to pay attention to the moment, listen to people, really understand what's going on for you and others. Um, but that whole thing about being in the present, you know, there is only the now, you know, but it would, mm. would tell you there is no past, there is no future, or a bit, bit more complex than that, but, you know, it's when we dwell on the past. Yeah, what are we yes. going to do? It's happened. So it's when we dwell on the past or when we 
uh, think about the future and either we're making wonderful plans and dreaming or we're concerned about what may happen. You know, that's what's stopping us being present in the moment. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you know, ruminating on the past is, is really not, not very helpful. Thinking is great, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about innovation here today. Thinking's great. Without thinking, we wouldn't have ideas and, you know, mm. iPhones and stuff. But, uh, but it can also be really, really unhelpful thinking, you know, really unhelpful particularly when we're, we're thinking about what we should have done and what we wish we hadn't said and what might happen that probably never will. Great, there you go, Alex. Yeah. Um, no, just about to say that, and it kind of goes back again to a question asked earlier, which was the collective sort of benefit it's had to you as a team um, doing these kinds of exercises. And um, I guess your ability to articulate how you're feeling rather than being swept away, if you like, by those emotions and being able to sort of like more clearly articulate that. And then the confidence you've got maybe to have conversations of the nature that you feel you need to have with other people. Um, you might have come across this before. There's a model called uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by a fellow called Patrick Lencioni. Oh, so you've come across this. Yeah, yeah. previous trainings and things. Lovely, okay. So in effect, it's like the five different things that you need within any team, any working environment um, for the team to be as effective as possible. And the, the very sort of like foundation of that is um, psychological trust. It's this idea that you're working in an environment whereby you feel as though you can speak out about something that you're not happy with or even suggest an idea without for fear of that sort of impacting upon you in some form of negative way. Because there are many organisations where people don't feel as though they can do that. They worry about the implications of saying what they think, saying what they feel, suggesting ideas. And as a consequence, that means that they don't deal with conflict. They just don't have the necessary conversations they need to have. Um, there's, you know, they pretend, that, you know, they, they feign buy-in for decisions, sort of as a collective, and then there's no accountability for those decisions. And what ends up happening is, as a consequence, is people end up gravitating towards trying to further their own interests, as a, you know, personally, whether it's status, ego, whatever else it might be, as opposed to doing what's good for the collective team. So actually, as a benefit to an organisation, these sorts of kind of exercises, they can really help kind of not only help people articulate what they're thinking, but build their confidence in doing so. So as a result, they're better able to explain to individuals how they're thinking, how they're feeling, and actually have those conversations at work. Whereas before, they might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't really know what I think about this, or how best to articulate that. But um, I was going to ask Jess, you've not been quizzed on this part yet, have you? Oh, so uh, imagine you've got lots to say. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, I find it fascinating. And that so insightful what you just said then as well that base level trust I'd, I'd like to think as a team you know we've got and our organization but you do look at those especially on the conflict side and things like that and you and that is a real insight to go you know is that there is that is that a reason why that is that situation or so that was brilliant and thank you um but the um the bit that wants i think also you can get taught things that actually don't serve you well so I've done lots of different training courses and things like that, and I'm a worrier, so I'm a massive worrier, massive overthinker. And the one bit of advice that was given to me was, okay, so the best thing you can do if you're really worried about it is take any situation, think about the worst that could happen, and if you can deal with that, then, then you, you've got this. And in theory, that sounds brilliant. In practice, I've realised that's been the worst advice anybody could have ever given me <laughs> because every situation now, I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? And that, the overthinking starts and you're already in the, what's the worst that can happen? And I'm like, yeah, I can handle it, but oh my God, that's horrendous. And I, 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 why did I take that advice? So doing this actually has helped me go, 
I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go more gratitude and I'm going to take the positive aspect of that. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, again, we could just be here for hours. But um, just want to refer to something we haven't talked about, the Stoics, Stoic philosophers. So, yes. you know, this, this idea of, you know, we say, oh, you're, you're taking a very um, stoical approach to something means we're, we're, we seem to be accepting potentially what may happen, even the really bad things. But, but I think sometimes what is missing from what people understand about the Stoics, they wouldn't just, you know, um, famously, and don't ask me for names, uh, um, one, one of the, the key Stoic philosophers would say, you know, not, don't just imagine the worst thing can happen, actually physically and practically prepare for it. So once a week, for example, go and sleep on a cold, hard stone floor because you're worried one day you'll be thrown into a prison and that will be your bed for the rest of your life and you won't be able to cope with it. Well, if you do it once a week, what you'll do is you'll recognise you can. So I think, from what you said there, it sounds like there's a bit missing. Don't just sit there and think about all the terrible things that could happen in life. That doesn't sound particularly helpful. Go and try them. If you don't like public speaking, go and have a go at it. And it, it may be your, your greatest fear. I'm sure it isn't yours, Jess, but uh, it may be. But um, you'll realise, of course, when you have a go, that it actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. So you know, the modern day equivalent of CPI on a cold, hard prison floor. I think that's right. I think it's doing it with those big things. What I, the problem I did was I did it with everything then. Hmm. That became my go-to... Every, every anxious situation I had, I would run it through the, well, what's the worst that can happen? And that, mm. that is, again, just as I said, you just don't do it. Mm. <laughs> um, but again, I do absolutely get it. That, you know, and again, I'm pushing boundaries and trying all these things and things like that. And I know the, um, you know, the benefits of, of all of that, but I, I just really just found it really, really insane. I read this thing once, I, I can't remember who said it, but I thought it was a wonderful expression. The confidence is not believing that everything is going to be okay. It's believing that even if everything isn't going to be okay, it'll all be okay. Hmm. Oh, it sounded you profound, didn't it? You wow. yeah, <laughs> did, I did. Really I was quite hard. pleased how that came out. But, um, so, but, you know, it's something, you know, there's a few things I'm getting out of, but that's just definitely something that, you know, I think I can kind of muster sometimes is, well, okay, if it goes wrong, well, that'll be fine. And fine. speaking to other people, like even like this, yes. doing this, mm -hmm. just knowing that, you know, we all feel like that and that's okay, you know, it, yeah. you haven't got to always be like this, oh, this is amazing, it's all great, it's like, we are human and actually that's awesome and, you know, just having the opportunities as teams, as communities, as whatever, to actually be able to talk and connect and know that that's that's okay, we're all, we're all, you know, feeling similar, so, yeah, massive benefits from that, I think, so. I think really good, like, being in this team, and from my point of view, even if I fail, and perhaps it's the first time in my, like, working career, <laughs> if I fail, I won't be, you so know, you've I'm never failed. <laughs> many times, many times, just, just I try to say, <laughs> I hope you understand me, uh, Correctly, I won't be judged as bad. You know, I won't be judged, and I am not afraid to fail because I sometimes my response is much more fearful than people are coming to me. Then that's all right. Okay, you didn't do it. Maybe we <laughs> <laughs> were having a joke. Anyway, yes, maybe, but it's fine. So I don't feel stressed. Yeah. 
when something goes wrong. And previously, many times I did, and it doesn't contribute my personality as well as this. So I was going to say, so just to clarify that point, it's not that you've never failed. It was more that this is the first time, if you like, in your working life, working as part of this team and the kind of things yes. that you're doing, that if things go wrong, yes. you're not concerned that's, that's about the outcome, that's right. if you like. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I am not afraid of consequences because I know I can just do better and I won't be judged, uh, you know, or Brilliant. just completely taken. But also to focus on the positive, that you are awesome. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> You know, it's not there. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is really fascinating. So, the focus of, of you, you, your guys' work is innovation. And um, I teach a bit on creativity and innovation. And uh, I don't know if you've got any thoughts. What, what's the biggest barrier to people being more creative or innovative? I guess it's people getting stuck in their own minds and going around in that continual doubt or worry or panic and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I think so. It's fear of being judged. Yeah. It's fear of, I will say something and people mm -hmm. think it's a stupid idea yeah. or it's wrong or whatever. And, you know, or I'll paint a picture and people will go, well, that's rubbish. Or I'll write mm. some, a poem and people will think I'm the most ridiculous person on earth. You know, so that's what holds us back from being, being creative, is this fear of judgment, this fear of what other people will think. And it's not an easy journey, but I suspect if you can, you know, as Maslow says, if you know Maslow's hierarchy needs, if you can get beyond this, beyond this need for others' approval, you're going to fly and become self-actualized and so on. Yeah, it's a lifelong journey. But uh, So yeah, that, that, you know, that's great that you're now in a team where, where you feel you can Yes, I don't know how many teams there are, like. <laughs> but it's really it's cool feeling, just not stress, no. or just yeah. maybe stress, maybe maybe, maybe. stress. <laughs> Anna's word for it that's um, dropped into a conversation. It's like, and I just think we would, you know, doing this. Could we get that bit done? And then they're just like, maybe. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, yeah. Well, maybe I went to extreme just now with this chilled attitude. <laughs> 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 Answering my 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 bottom, maybe. <laughs> just to ask then, um, you know, wrapping this up, I suppose, you know, the main takeaway for you. I'm interested in that. So, uh, hopefully, you've given it some thought, had some time to give it some thought. But I'm going to start with you, Simon, if you don't mind. So, meditation, sat at home wasn't quite my thing but the second part of that challenge the walking meditation that was my thing so mm. getting out and normally if I go out for a walk take the dog headphones in podcast on and I'm sort of stuck in that podcast so I didn't bother with that and just went for a walk with the dog and being able to sort of hear the birds on the trees all of that that was so much more uh, of a meditation for me than having to plug something in and sit and listen. So more walking, less headphones, and just <laughs> enjoying the surroundings. Fantastic. Really oh, brilliant. Thank you, Simon. Um, Robin? I think definitely continuing with the meditation. It's something I've dabbled with. It's something that I know is amazing, but don't always make the time for it. So obviously we have to. <laughs> we sort of set a challenge. So it's like, but why don't I do this every day? This it is good. And it doesn't take huge amounts of time. Um, so yeah, definitely going to be continuing. Um, probably using the app as well. That was something that I hadn't really tried much before. So. Wonderful. Thank you. Cheers, Robin. Anna. Um, I share my uh, feedback with Simon. Walking meditation. I didn't do it before, 
Mm-hmm. It, it was mostly like just Satan tried to concentrate. I really enjoyed, and exactly, without headphones, completely different quality of uh, word perception. So you could use all the senses, not only visualize, but also just focus on many things, smells, and it's lovely now summer. So it's just all this in the air. Um, and definitely a conflict task. It will, I try to be more like uh, aware and just to keep it in my mind behind. And your word um, about this confidence and arrogance, the, 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 the difference, well, the, the difference is obvious, perhaps, maybe not, but it is it's very, to me, kind of inspiring to just perceiving things a little bit differently. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you, Anna. Um, Amy? Uh, so I'm definitely going to carry on doing the meditation, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also going to start doing more gratitude so I can really appreciate the smaller things in life instead of just looking for those big moments to really just sort of appreciate everything. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. Wonderful. Thank you, Amy. Definitely. And Jess? Yeah, same here. Definitely going to keep up meditation, and as you say, keep it up properly, not just kind of then go, oh... I'll remember to do that another time. Um, really get into that routine to do it because you can see the benefits. And as always, sort of talk about it more as well. So talk about this experience with others that we meet and do and all of that and sort of, you know, sort of encourage and share. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. I'll do that. But actually doing it and the experience you get is just possibly something you couldn't have perceived that you were going to you know, get. So I think, yeah. Keep shouting the good word of it. Wonderful. Well, look, we really appreciate all of you getting stuck in, as I was saying earlier this week. It's uh, <laughs> you know, hugely appreciated taking time out to do this and coming back and sharing your experiences and talking about stuff that's quite personal to you. So, do, you know, thank you for doing that. Well, it's a um, massive thank you from us, and it's yes. great that you guys are out there doing this because <laughs> yeah. we've all had a benefit as a team. So Wonderful. definitely brilliant. Thank you. Excellent. Well, it, well, thank you and goodbye from me. I don't know if you want to add anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say goodbye as well. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. So... I think keep it up, like, like you've all said. So, you know, everything in life really is, is just about, you know, your, your characters can be formed by what, what kind of habits you adopt. And so trying to take some kind of control over that, I think, as opposed to just let, let yourself run away with everything is, is great. And, um, yes, we do do this. And, um, you know, leadership courses, um, things like meditation might be, there might just be a small part of it, but it all does... Um, add up. I think in my experience, uh, an unself-aware leader is probably quite a dangerous one, I think, if you don't even know what you're like and the impact you have on others. Very difficult. I don't know why I'm suddenly going to a speech about leadership, but anyway, so thank you very much. I, I echo everything that, that Alex has said, been really open and, and that's what's, uh, yeah, that's what's going to have helped. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, the WIN team, we've had an amazing time with Quanta and really enjoyed the experience and the challenges that we were set. We've done work with management, development and leadership as part of their programme and really got a benefit. But not only that, they also do other courses. Over 200 courses, including project and programme management, agile and technical IT. 
So if you want your team to develop, then contact Quanta at quanta.co.uk. That's Q-U-A-N-T-A. Now that you've listened to the podcast, we want you to get involved. Head over to the innovation platform where you can find out all the behind the scenes of the podcast episodes, as well as all the other episodes. I know. You can get involved in all the challenges and don't forget to let us know how you got on. I want to see who can beat Anna's Rubik's Cube time. And finally, you can also get involved and see all the amazing businesses that we feature within these podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Stop listening to me. Get on the innovation platform. Dress below. Okay, so I'm just going to cut in. This is future Amy realising this is a podcast and you guys can't actually see the web address for the platform so that's my bad sorry guys so to find all your podcast extras behind the scenes areas where you guys can also be involved in our podcast journey head over to win-hub.wazuku.com that's win-hub.wazuku which is spout W-A-Z-O-K-U dot com. Look forward to seeing you all there trying out the podcast challenges. This production has been brought to you by DT Studios Visual Marketing. Directed by Terry Livesey. Producers Jess Antley, Terry Livesey, Douglas Anderson. Presenters Jess Antley, Amy Bromwich, Simon DeGarris, Anna Makowska-Vines, Robin Rooney. Supported by the European Region Development Fund, HM Government, Midland Engine.